You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. I'm Michael Pincus of MichaelPincusWineReview.com, and you're here with uh, me and Andre Prue. Hello. With uh, Two Guys Talking Wine. Andre, what's your website? AndreWineReview.ca. Got it. All right, uh, Andre, um, I'm going to tell you about a wine I had this week uh, that I thought was stupendous. And then I know you want to talk about another topic, so I'm (laughs) going to talk about this very quickly. I tried the Vineland 2014 uh, Dry Riesling uh, this week, and I was absolutely blown away. I really do believe that Brian Schmidt is one of the premier Riesling makers in the province. There, I've said it. 14 dry, four plus stars, stunning acidity. What he's done with that wine just blows my mind. And what, that wine's like 12 bucks, isn't it? 14 bucks, 14 something like bucks. that. It's just stupidly cheap. And I'm going to say the word cheap because uh, it's not cheaply made. It's such a quality wine and, and it's just such a, it was so good. Anyway, that's that's my plug for this week. I don't oh, know if you want to plug something. That is fantastic. I actually don't have anything specific to plug, but I'll I'll say what I'm what I'm drinking right now. Uh, I'm drinking a 2013 Mary Neeson Platinum Series Chardonnay. Platinum Series. Yes, it's twenty dollars a bottle. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of oak in this one, so it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, I'm drinking it just a little bit below fridge temperature, so I've got a lot of a lot of fruit poking through it, but. I think I'll need to get another bottle to lay on its side a little bit longer. But um, I think for $20, it's a pretty good Chardonnay. Well, it's interesting because I just uh, very also very recently tried the 2013, just the regular Chardonnay. Mm-hmm. And uh, very underwhelmed. Very underwhelmed. I think they have it blended with some uh, Musquet in that. That's like $16? I, don't, I you put it this way. I was so underwhelmed that I didn't... I, I have to say I didn't even write a note. Anyway... And we were talking about not not uh, pooping all over wineries. That's fair enough. Um, <laughs> I like this wine, and I, I'm sticking to it. So you wanted to talk Chardonnay this evening. You know, Michael, I think this is this is time for an education thing, because you and I, we've, we've teased each other on social media, or sorry, I've teased you on social media, because uh, you've said many times that you are not a lover of Chardonnay. Uh, and I know there's some history with it, and I know that I've talked to a lot of other people who have been around a little bit longer than I have. And I know there's such a thing as something called the ABC Club. The ABC is... movement, anything but Chardonnay. And then right. if, you're, if you don't like reds, it's anything but Cabernet. But anything but Chardonnay was, was really uh, what the movement was, or what the club is, if you want to call it. And uh, yeah, I, I belong to it, although... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you asked me to count up the bottles of Chardonnay that I had in my cellar, and um, and my Ontario Chardonnays equaled my Ontario Cab Francs, which was kind of surprising because I'm a huge Cab Franc fan. Well, so, and I think I think it's the sort of thing that happens is you kind of get these biases in your head, and I mean it's just really hard to kind of to kind of shake them when you have an idea of, of something tasting a certain way. For me. I've only been doing this for for five years, but up until this past year, I've been saying anything but Syrah, uh, just because I've had a lot of Syrahs that just tasted so much like bell pepper. I mean, if I wanted to eat a bell pepper, I would just eat one, and if I wanted to drink one, I would just put one in a blender and drink it. Now, are you talking Ontario Syrah? I'm talking Ontario Syrah. Oh, okay. Sorry, Ontario yes. Syrah. 
because there's great Syrah of the Rhone. But yes, there are. Tonight, but I'm talking, I'm talking uh, Ontario Syrah, but I mean, I, I've started to come around on it. I'm, I'm finding myself drinking it. I'm finding myself giving good scores to some very good Syrah. Most recently from uh, Cassava, they have a whole slew of Syrah coming out, and I mean, I've moved on past it. Cassaba makes some very good Syrah and has for years. Yes, they do. I, um, so you asked uh, Chardonnay, and I actually have a bottle, which I'm going to take a flyer on uh, with me. Um, and I'll tell you, I opened the 2009 of this. I had two bottles left of um, Pondview Bellaterra 2009 uh, Chardonnay. Both bottles were opened within the last two months. Uh, both bottles were atrocious. Okay. It was a gorgeous wine when it was uh, released. Uh, the acidity in 09 should have carried that wine for forever. Uh, it was just oxidized and very, uh, it was just a horrific, horrific wine. It's no longer for sale. And if anybody has any in their cellar, um, I don't know what I would tell you to do with it. But, uh, and that's not just, was my opinion. I had a few friends over. Uh, to try the second bottle, and uh, it did not go over well. So how's the bottle you just opened? So the bottle that I have in my hand I'm is the, on the 2011 Pondview Bellaterra Chardonnay. Okay. And you can hear me putting the corkscrew into the bottle, and we're going to pop it. I love the sound of a popping cork. There you go. One of my favorite sounds. And here we go. I'm looking at this wine... Oh, the color looks very nice. Not that I actually judge wine by color. I know there's a lot of people out there who go, "Oh, color is very important," but uh, I am I am not. I'm I, I, what I'm looking for in a in a wine is if there's anything there that's going to kill me. So, and if there's nothing there that's going to kill me, then I'm happy to drink it. <laughs> you know, something I could choke on, like a, you know when when they used to make wine, they used to you know foot trot it. And then, you know, they didn't filter it. So I was looking for toenails and things like that. So well, the nose is pretty good on this one. I, right. uh, you know, I, it does have a little bit of a, a darker tinge to it. Of course, it is four years old. Perfectly decent Chardonnay. Perfectly decent. A little caramel, a little toffee. You'd expect that. Yeah, Pondview, like, they like to use a lot of big oak flavors in their Chardonnay, if I remember correctly. 11 was a year that you would have had some decent acidity, so the acidity carries this. Some caramel apple. Do you know what I would, um, if anybody has any of the 11, I would be drinking that sooner rather than later because it's, uh, it's probably on the way to where the 09 was. But I've caught this one a little bit. A little bit early, so um, that's that's just Chardonnay. But what what you're going to ask me is about the ABC movement. I yes. think what ABC comes into is is because the Americans and then the Australians used to be very heavy-handed with oak, very heavy-handed. Yeah. So so my understanding, and then you you can fill in the holes there. But I mean, just just what I've heard is that, and I mean, there are still, as far as I understand, remnants of this as well. A lot of new oak. You would uh, drink a wine, and it would essentially taste like a, a two by four. Yeah, chateau a, two by four. Yeah, and and I mean that's basically what you'd be looking at. And um, I think to a certain extent, like I went to California this summer, and I was looking for flabby, oaky chardonnays because I I find when you get the heat on the grapes, 
it, it, it can hold up to all that oak. But, um, I mean, I was surprised to find balanced Chardonnays, but I know you can still get a lot of really flabby, oaky California Chardonnays if that's what you're into and you're looking to get into a bottle of that. See, I think um, I think you just made a statement that said if you get a lot of ripe fruit, it can hold up to oak. And while that's true, I think uh, I think in Ontario we learned uh, in the 2007 vintage especially because we had a really great vintage in Ontario in 2007. Yep. What we what I what I and, and 2005 2005 2007. What I what I think we and I and I I believe that our winemakers learned is that not to over oak. That you you still want some of that fruit because sometimes now you you're opening those O fives and those O sevens which should really be spectacular wines at the moment, and what you're finding is that in some cases, on many cases actually, that you're getting a lot of oak and no fruit. And what they've done is they over oaked those wines because they've said, as you said, you know, oh this fruit's so ripe it can take this oak. Yeah, you know. The key is to show some restraint on that oak, to allow the fruit to continue to shine while just using backing oak. And I think, and in my opinion, that's where Chardonnay should be. I want fruit and I want a little bit of, you know, like, it's like buttering some toast. I want to taste the toast. Yes. And I want some butter in there too. So my Michael. Wife would, my wife would disagree. She'd want to taste butter. But <laughs> me too. But I think that's why I'm I'm such a sucker for Chardonnay in all ways, shapes, and forms. Like I said, I've got a soft spot for the occasional flabby California Chardonnay, where I'll just sit on a couch and and, and suck it out of the bottle if I have to. I I think it's fine with uh, what are the one what are the commercials on television with the Miss Vicky's potato chips? <laughs> uh, and I believe that's that's what they're they're going for at that point. You know, grab yourself a a bottle of of flabby Chardonnay, grab a, you know, a fairly, fairly sterile Miss Vicky's chips. I like Miss Vicky's chips, but I think the, 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 the one they show, which is just the sea salt, it's, it's, it's a potato chip. Yeah. You know, you want some flavor on your potato chip. And I think that's what it is. The flabby Chardonnay with a, with a mediocre, you know, tasting potato chip. So, I'm going to get in trouble from the Miss Vicky's people, I can tell. No, I don't think you will. I think you made it very clear that you like Miss Vicky's potato chips. Oh, I, I do. So, uh, so here, here, here's my question for you. Take me, take me in the way back machine, Michael. When did you start hating Chardonnay? Well, when I, when I first, I, I'm, and I'm using the hate in air quotes. People listening can't see air quotes. This is a tongue-in-cheek question because obviously well, there's exceptions to every rule. But Michael, you have referred to yourself as an ABCer and anything yeah. but Chardonnay guy, and. As you said at the beginning of the podcast, you got a lot of Chardonnay in your collection. I do have a lot of Chardonnay, but it's all Chardonnay that I've tasted that I went, wow, I like this. And when I when I when you first start out, I, I there's a there's a natural progression, I believe, for wine for people. You start off usually sweet. You uh, if you if you're lucky enough to be near something like a fruit winery. You can taste fruit wines so that you get a, a, a back of, you know, you know what strawberries taste, you know what raspberries, rhubarb, and all that kind of stuff. And then you move into dry, and then you move into probably some light reds, like our, our favorite Gamay. Uh, and then you move up the ladder of reds, and then, you know, when you become that fully rounded 
wine person. You like everything to a degree. You have your hates. You have your your uh, your likes. You have your loves. You have your I'm okay with that. But you know you will drink anything that's put in front of you. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Okay. So one of my hates is Chardonnay because I tasted a lot of those really oaky Chateau two by fours, pick my teeth with a stave. And all <laughs> it was, was liquid wood. Yep. And, and, and I just, I just don't like that. I like, I like fruit. I like to taste some fruit. I want to taste something interesting. And one of the previous podcasts, we talked about uh, wild ferment. Yes. And one of the very first Chardonnays that I really started to like was at a a wine show, I believe it was in London, not England, and uh, somebody had said, you should try this, because I said, I hate Chardonnay, I don't like Chardonnay, and they said, you really should try this one. And every wine show you go to, whether it's Chile, New Zealand, Ontario, any wine show, they go, oh, ours is different. That's what they always say. I, I, I can tell you, I don't like Cabernet, and they go, oh, but ours is different. Everybody always makes different. Mm-hmm. And I said, what makes this so different? And he says, it's wild ferment. And I was like, well, I, I hmm, what is that? You know, because at this point now I'm learning about Chardonnay. You basically have to go back to square one. So he tells me about wild ferment, and I'm like, well, I'll give that a shot. And that was the first one that I went, oh, my God, this is really good. There's some, there's some fruit, there's some oak, but there's something in there that's just, that's just different that I really like. And I'm starting to learn slowly but surely that I also like things like Dijon clone. It doesn't always say it on the label, but I remember a winemaker telling me, I said, I really like this Chardonnay, and then I was talking to him, and I said, I also like Dijon clones in my Chardonnay. Because surprisingly, there is 80% Dijon clone in this Chardonnay. So uh, those are the things that I've learned that I like specifically, but I've also learned that I I do like fruit as opposed to a ton of wood. So I think we can maybe, if if you're up for it, because I don't think there are any wineries left in Ontario making Chateau 2x4, but were there some really bad offenders and, and was there something that was a turning point for them? Um, I can't think of anybody who, I, I put it this way, I do believe that there are some still making Shadow 2x4 mm-hmm. because they believe that is the style that they want to make. And if that's the style that they want, then then that is fine. I, I have no problem. Uh, I am willing to try year after year and hoping that they'll come around. Um, and were everybody offended? Uh, was, was, did we have some offenders? Everybody was an offender. At some point, everybody <laughs> was an offender. That's a pretty fair blanket statement. So, okay, what would have been the turning point what do you think was the turning point, I guess, in the wine world in general, where people smartened up and started making more balanced, you know, fruit-driven, or even if they want to make barrel-driven, that's fine, but balanced Chardonnay? I think the uh, the turning point for Chardonnay was that backlash of anything but Chardonnay. Uh, was more people saying... I don't like Chardonnay, although it is still one of the most popular grape varieties in the world. Uh, and when people go places, go to a restaurant, go to somebody's house, what do you have? These days, of course, Pinot Gris is, is just huge. 
um, you know, what do you have? And somebody says, well, we just bought a nice Pinot Gris. Everybody's, oh, I'll have the Pinot Gris. But it used to be if you went to somebody's house and they go, oh, I have a Riesling, I have Pinot Gris, and I have a Chardonnay, somebody would go, I'll take the Chardonnay just because they recognized it. But well, uh, Chardonnay's turning point was other grapes that came around. around. And, you know, you get the freshness of, of other grapes and, and, and people started to shy away from those, those heavy oak flavors. And Chardonnay has to adapt as, as we all have to adapt and as all wineries have to adapt. Uh, when Pinot Grigio hit the scene, everybody wanted to make Pinot Grigio. Well, not everybody had Pinot Gris or Pinot Grigio in the ground. So you have to go plant. takes three years to, to, to make your first Pinot Gris. And, and you're hoping that by then it's, it's still a hot commodity. I, I think there's a lot of people who don't even realize it, but it's just there's so much Chardonnay on the market because I, I've actually heard some people say that if you're a wine-producing region and you can't successfully grow Chardonnay, uh, there's a good chance you probably shouldn't be growing wine in the first place because Chardonnay grows like a weed. But it's also one of the nice things about Chardonnay, which is, from what you're telling me, sort of the unfortunately, and I'm actually glad that I haven't had a chance to taste a lot of Chateau 2 by 4 because Chardonnay is so good at expressing terroir. Chardonnay tastes like what Chardonnay should taste like regardless of where it comes from but on the other hand it does taste very different California Chardonnay tastes different than Oregon Chardonnay tastes different than Niagara Chardonnay which tastes different than I mean let's break it down Prince Edward County Chardonnay tastes different from Niagara Peninsula Chardonnay well that that's that's the I think the great dilemma of Chardonnay is that it is considered the winemaker's grape and while you say that you're tasting terroir, it is, it is such a malleable grape that you can make it taste like anything you want. I, where you and I differ much in the Chardonnay department is I think that unoaked Chardonnay, for the most part, is one of the most boring grape varieties in the world, right next to Pinot Gris. And I like on oak chardonnay see, it's not see, well it's not my favorite but i mean i gotta preface this with, with it it's not my favorite but i mean let's face it most on oak chardonnay comes in around 15 dollars, which as we said in a previous podcast is one of my sweet spots for for wine i'm a fisherman i like something that goes good with fish and i find on oak chardonnay more interesting than pinot gris and it's easy to toss a bottle in the cooler and drink it out of the bottle without feeling guilty yeah, but again, but you haven't really expressed to me why you why you think it's great. You haven't really told me that it's got great flavors. It's got it's it's a it's a wine that just goes with everything. Uh, but I mean, it, it does have it does have great flavor. It, it's if we're drawing the comparison, you've, we've talked about Pinot Grigio, and I I like Pinot Grigio too, but I also like picking on Pinot Grigio because Pinot Grigio is generally tasteless. I mean, at least when you get an oak Chardonnay from a cool climate, whether it's it's uh, it's France, it's, it's Beaujolais Blanc, or it's it's from Niagara, you get orchard fruit, you get apples, you get lemons, you get some other citrus flavors in there. Where with Pinot Grigio, just the flavors are sometimes so subtle they fall they fall flat. And I mean, you can make a really great oak Chardonnay that's bone dry if you want something that's bone dry instead of needing some sweetness to balance out the acidity like you would with a Riesling. Sometimes I'm just craving an oak Chardonnay. Do you know what? I have to be honest with you. I don't think I have ever. No, I'm right. I have never craved an unoaked Chardonnay. I have never said to myself, man, I could really go for an unoaked Chardonnay. It's just, it's never happened. I can honestly say that there's a handful of 
on Oak Chardonnay in this province. I actually really look forward to when it's when it's released. Um, the Flat Rock on Oak Chardonnay is very good. Unplugged. Yeah, Unplugged. No, like, you know what? I'll, <laughs> but I'll be honest with you. Uh, today, um, I did a I, I did a tasting of a number of whites, and uh, there was one from a BC, uh, Joa or Joy. I don't know how they pronounce it. J O I E Farm. Yeah, it looks like Joa. Uh, on Oak Chardonnay, which was uh, one of my top wines. I thought it was very good. But you're but, not craving it. <laughs> but but I, I, I don't think I would ever say, well, I wish I had a glass of that. I thought it was a very good wine, but I have never, and I, and I repeat this, I've never said, boy, I could really go for an Oak Chardonnay. So there we go. You, you know what? I'm not going to let you call yourself uh, ABC anymore because you're obviously not ABC. You, like things have clearly evolved from when you picked up your ABC card, but I don't know if you have your membership card handy, but you should tear it up. I keep it on the wall, and it is framed. And well, we'll uh, I it, look at it every so often. We'll take it down next time I'm I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm in the cellar. No, it's got to stay. It's got to stay there because lifetime membership. The moment we forget what that was about is the time we go back to it. I don't think we'll ever go back to it. Actually, you know what? I haven't been around long enough to make that statement, so I take it back. <laughs> I really, you know what? I really hope that we never, never get to that stage where we, we, the revolt from the public is so great that there isn't anything but club. It's just not a good place to be. Well, I, I take you to to Pinot Gris. I'm I the Pinot Gris that I've noticed I've liked lately have had a bit of oak to them, or some lees contact, some lees uh, time. And I'm noticing that, and it's. I wonder if people are going to, you know, take that Pinot Gris almost to the next level, where they're going to start overoaking it as they did Chardonnay. It waits to be seen. Interesting. Well, thank you for schooling me on ABC. I still feel like I've got a lot to learn, and it's too bad I'll never get a chance. Now you know it's not too bad I'll never get a chance to taste any of those wines. You I'm know glad, what? I'm glad still, I didn't. They have still to... come out. They still come out. You can still find them. I you you probably just avoid them, uh, especially the vintage tastings that we're at. I know that you avoid them, but next time I taste one, I promise I'm going to let you try one. Okay, we'll do that. Sounds good. Good. All right. I guess I got to lay this. I guess I got to take us out. I brought us in. I take us out. Is that uh, that's the way it goes? Let's I wrap it, it up. Let, let, let's, I, put a, let's put a I'm bow Michael on it. Pinkus of MichaelPinkusWineReview.com. We're two guys talking wine. And my co-host... Andre Pru from AndreWineReview.ca. And we'll see you in two weeks. Two weeks? I got the last word. Word. Thank you for listening. You can subscribe at TwoGuysTalkingWine.com.